All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mining Matters, a mine safety podcast presented by Fisher Phillips. My name is Chris Peterson, and with me, as always, is my partner, Arthur Wolfson. Arthur, how are you doing today? Oh, we're doing well, Chris. Uh, you know, AMSHA is uh, making life more interesting as the summer winds to an end, and I think we got a lot to talk about. We get, and our choice of a number of topics to pick from this month. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, MSHA activity, as we have forecasted, is picking up and has been for a while. You know, I, I know on the past couple of episodes, we've kind of mentioned the same thing. Today, we're going to talk about Secretary of Labor v. Casey Transport. And this is, I think, a, a relevant topic for these days. Perhaps we could call it something along the lines of MSHA seeking to expand its jurisdiction over traditionally non-regulated facilities. But I don't know if MSHA's intentions to begin with were quite that focused and or concentrated. And I think probably something that we'll end up talking about is how the Secretary of Labor's position has sort of changed over the years when MSHA tries to assert jurisdiction over non-traditionally regulated facilities. It should be interesting for our listeners because Depending on how far MSHA's jurisdiction expands, folks will really want to pay attention to what the Secretary of Labor and MSHA is doing here and how the courts come out on this issue, right? Where typically what we see is coal mines or other mines, metal non-metal mines, right? Of course, they're regulated by MSHA, covered by the Mine Act and its provisions. But what about, as I noted in, in one of the commenters' articles on this particular opinion, you know, what about a Caterpillar construction facility or something, right? Some equipment manufacturer that supports the mining industry, that produces equipment for mining. Are those facilities suddenly going to fall under MSHA jurisdiction? So if ever you were to get a couple of mine safety lawyers in a room talking about MSHA issues and kind of nerding out, this is probably what we would end up talking about, you know, something along these lines. So we'll let our listeners kind of peek behind the curtain, and we'll take it from there. So, Arthur, what exactly are we talking about today with this Casey Transport issue? Well, you're correct, Chris, that there's a lot of issues here. Casey Transport involves an exercise of MSHA jurisdiction, but suffice to say is that the assertion of jurisdiction was contested. And any time you have a jurisdictional case, they are extremely fact-specific. Because MSHA is arguing that it has jurisdiction because of the facts as it sees them, and the and the operator is arguing no, MSHA does not have jurisdiction because of the facts as it sees them. And well, what are the relevant facts? And there's really not a dispute of fact in most of these cases. I don't think there's a dispute of fact in this case, but it's just what do those facts mean? And with the background to this, a couple of points. Number one, the definition of what constitutes a mine, which is the touchstone for granting MSHA jurisdiction, is a very wonky piece of legislation. Um, it reminds me of what my constitutional law professor said, that the two things you want to watch being made are sausage and legislation. Well, this was made in 1977. I was a year old, so I did not get the chance to watch it, but for those that did watch it being made, I'm sure it was uh, an exercise in sausage making. Because what we're left with is just this 
almost unworkable definition. And we'll, we'll explain why. And I think this case really highlights it. But the other reason I think it's this is such an important decision, and aside from the jurisdictional piece over this type of an operation, is how MSHA went about making its argument. And as we'll discuss in more detail, MSHA's argument really in this case is, trust us, we won't do anything absurd. That's really what they're saying here. And I've heard, with all due respect to my colleagues on, on the solicitor side, but, you know, they have their own perspective. And, you know, I've heard enough of them talk at conferences, and they've repeated that. They've disclaimed some of these theoretical positions as ridiculous. Well, we would never do that. Well, you know, is that a good enough legal position? And that's what they offer. So that's what the court is left with to wrestle with. But anyway, enough of the theoretical. Chris, why don't you walk us through the facts of KC Transport? What exactly were we talking about that MSHA wanted to assert jurisdiction over? So in a nutshell, what we're really talking about today is the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, their recent decision basically remanding a decision that had already been made by the Federal Mine Safety and Health Review Commission to discuss and determine the extent of MSHA's jurisdiction over an off-site trucking company's parking lot. And so procedurally, what we're dealing with is essentially MSHA asserting jurisdiction over an off-site equipment maintenance and storage facility. And so KC Transport essentially, right, is a trucking company and it operated as an independent contractor to a couple of coal mines and other businesses nearby its location. So it was not attached to any specific mine. It rather it serviced several mines in the area. In this particular company, they had a, a parking lot area, but they used it for maintenance work, um, you know, a holding location for equipment that was waiting to be serviced or had already been serviced and was waiting for clients to come and pick up. And so again, this has historically not been considered mine property because it was not on mine site, was not next to a mine site, right? It was, I can't remember the exact distance, but you know, a mile or two away from, uh, you know, these various mines in the area. And MSHA had not actually inspected this facility before. And interestingly, right, MSHA had sighted some equipment on a mine and then went over to Casey Transport's facility to terminate those citations on that equipment. And while they were there, while the MSHA inspector was there to terminate those citations, he had seen a couple of pieces of equipment being serviced. And in the inspector's opinion, they were not blocked against motion while these repairs were being made. And so that does violate, assuming those facts are correct, which the company ultimately said, yes, if MSHA has jurisdiction over this facility, they admitted, okay, that would be, you know, in theory, a violation of MSHA standards. So both the trucking company, so KC Transport and MSHA's attorneys, the solicitors moved for summary judgment. So what that means is they both represented to the administrative law judge saying, assuming these facts are true and correct, and we all agree on a certain set of facts and then presented this issue of jurisdiction to the administrative law judge. 
And the administrative law judge actually found that MSHA had jurisdiction. Obviously, that decision was appealed up to the review commission. And the review commission, oh, I think it was back, what was it, April of last year, review commission issues a decision saying, no, in fact, MSHA does not have jurisdiction over this case, you know, KC Transport's facility, this parking lot, this maintenance facility. In a nutshell, saying it was not physically located next to a mine. You know, I guess it was a little bit more involved than that, right? But in a nutshell, right, it was not involved enough, I suppose you could say, in the mining process, right? This this definition of, of the mine that we have under the Mine Act. And so basically they said, yeah, it was not related enough to mining. It was not next to a mine site, like I said. It was not engaged in any extraction activities. It was just there for, you know, support. And so they, they looked at Maxim Rebuild, right, which is a Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals case for some guidance. And we can talk about Maxim in a second, just in a little bit more detail. But Maxim basically used a location-based analysis to determine whether the facility in Maxim fell under MSHA's jurisdiction. And so the Review Commission basically did the same thing here, found that MSHA did not have jurisdiction over KC Transport's parking lot and vacated the citation. Therefore, you know, the Solicitor's Office appealed up to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, and that's what we're talking about today. It's this D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals case where basically they reversed the, the Federal Mine Safety and Health Review Commission's decision and remanded it back to the Federal Mine Safety and Health Review Commission for further review, basically giving the Solicitor's Office an opportunity to come up with a a reasonable interpretation of why MSHA should be able to assert jurisdiction over this particular facility. So it's kind of an interesting journey where this case you know, has been and, and where we are today. So Arthur, did I miss anything? No, you didn't, Chris. That's a, a great summary of the facts and the, and the procedural background. I think a couple of things we want to highlight here. First is the definition of a mine under the Mine Act. And there's three parts to it. The first are pretty non-controversial. This is 30 U.S.C. 802 H1, and it breaks it up into A, B, and C subparts. Subpart A is an area of land where minerals are extracted from. That's, you know, your extraction locations. That's not controversial. B, private ways and roads pertinent to such areas. That's largely non-controversial. I think we all know what that means. But C is this laundry list of locations, facilities, tools, equipment, machine, property, etc. I'm not going to read it to you, but it's, it's this laundry list of items used in, to be used in, or resulting from the work of extraction of minerals. So this is sort of open-ended. And in Maxim Rebuild, the judge who wrote the opinion said, it's almost like somebody went to a mine site and wrote down everything he or she could see and included it in the definition. So what's the problem with this? Well, the problem here is highlighted by the different arguments the two sides take. Because the the company, KC Transport, is saying, well, look, this is all based on being at a mine. 
You know, this is all location-based. If you're at a mine, you would see all of these items, but you have to actually be at a mine to even be in the ballpark for MSHA to have jurisdiction. That's largely what the commission found in KC Transport and also largely what the Sixth Circuit found in Maxim Rebuild. Now, the caveat on Maxim Rebuild is that this was a machine shop that there wasn't a mine anywhere near it. It was a standalone facility that MSHA had not asserted jurisdiction over. OSHA had, and there wasn't a mine anywhere in sight at the present time. And it also worked on equipment that was not used in the mining industry. So Maxim Rebuild has its own sort of unique set of facts. In KC Transport, we have this lot that is not on mine property. It's probably closer, well, it was closer to a mine than the Maxim shop was, but it's not on mine property. And then he said, well, you need to be on mine property for it to be a mine for this subsection C, this laundry list, to even apply. And MSHA is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And they say this subpart C laundry list of items, whether or not it's on a mine doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all. You have tools, equipment, machines used in or to be used in or resulting from the work of extracting minerals. According to MSHA, location doesn't matter. If these items were used in the mining process, MSHA has jurisdiction. That's its position. So you can see how this is somewhat of an unworkable definition because on the one hand, it sure does look like location is a key part of it. And on the other hand, MSHA's saying, well, no, you know, you got tools and equipment used in or to be used in resulting from the work of extracting minerals says right there, according to MSHA, it's plain we would have jurisdiction over. So these are sort of the two camps that exist in this whole debate. And, and the question really when we get down to it is, does location matter at all? Is it outcome determinative like the company would suggest? Does it not matter at all like MSHA would suggest? So... That's kind of what we're left with. And the interesting thing is both sides in the D.C. Circuit case of, Matt, of Casey Transport said that the Mine Act is clear and unambiguous in support of its position. And these are two totally disparate positions, but they're both argued that the Mine Act is clear in favor of its position. Well, Chris, what did the D.C. Circuit have to say about that? <laughs> well, so interestingly, so the D.C. Circuit Court did not see Emsha's interpretation as workable. So they said, basically, you can't just say, you know, anything resulting from or used in or to be used in the process of extraction of minerals, right? It said that location in relation to where the mine site is had to play a more important role, right, in MSHA's interpretation, basically. Like, look, you can't just say wherever, right? There has to be some location relationship, I guess we could call it. And so the D.C. Circuit looked at basically 
just the administrative aspects of enforcement at mind, not something that MSHA had necessarily addressed in its own interpretation. So basically they said, if every piece of equipment is a mine, then there is the operator then required right under the mine act to file where it's located, what they're doing, are they operating these sort of status updates? And then, you know, if that's the case, basically, if MSHA is going to be mandated to inspect all of these facilities, how are they even going to know where these facilities are at when they're offline property? And basically, like, so once a piece of equipment has been used in mining, how long does that piece of equipment therefore qualify as a mine if it's no longer on mine-related property? So basically... The court said, like, look, you know, MSHA has their interpretation. It's tempting to say, we'll follow that, right? We'll trust MSHA as an agency to make these determinations, perhaps on a case-by-case -case basis. But ultimately, they said it's a little too ambiguous. And that's why they remanded back to the Federal Mine Safety and Health Review Commission to say, hey, let's give MSHA an opportunity to come up with an unambiguous interpretation. And so, yeah, that's where we're at today, right? So the D.C. Circuit has remanded back to the Federal Mine Safety and Health Review Commission, and MSHA has an opportunity now to, to come up with a more tenable interpretation. Well, and I think, as I said earlier, that, that both sides said that the Mine Act was unambiguous in favor of their position. And like you said, Chris, the D.C. Circuit said, no, it's actually ambiguous. It's not unambiguous in favor of either position that on the one hand, it could support MSHA's view that these pieces of equipment not tied to a mine could be considered a mine. But on the other hand, contrary to MSHA's view, location does matter. And the D.C. Circuit pointed out several instances in which the Mine Act makes it clear that its coverage is based at a mine. It talks about how the company has to give a fixed location when it registers its mine. And all of these things are location-based. And there's some other examples as well. So it rejected MSHA's position that location doesn't matter, but it wouldn't go so far as to agree with the company that location is outcome determinative, which is what the review commission found, right? It, that, that if you're not located at the mine, that that precludes MSHA from asserting jurisdiction. It didn't go that far. So essentially, it found this to be ambiguous. And as you said, Chris, it took the step of remanding it so that MSHA can come up with an interpretation that accounts for these ambiguities. Now, the D.C. Circuit has done this before. Because there is case law that says, and we've talked about the Chevron doctrine before, that uh, if a statute is ambiguous, the, the agency's interpretation receives deference if it is reasonable, key point. So that's what the D.C. Circuit has remanded it for, is to show, to give the agency the opportunity to come up with an interpretation in light of these ambiguities. And then it will evaluate whether it is reasonable. Now, the D.C. Circuit has done this before in Mine Act cases and in other cases. But a notable Mine Act case is the National Cement case uh, from about 12 to 14 years ago. And that case involved a road 
a private road that went to a mine in California, but also went to several non-mining businesses. And, you know, the whole question of did MSHA have jurisdiction over the road? Similarly, in that case, the D.C. Circuit remanded it back to MSHA to come up with a an interpretation that accounted for whether or not it would have jurisdiction over the non-mining pieces of equipment, the pieces of equipment that serve the other businesses that were not mining. So when the D.C. Circuit remanded the case in National Cement for MSHA to further consider its interpretation, it did so with some pretty clear instructions. How are you going to account for these non-mining pieces of equipment? And in National Cement, frankly, MSHA did that. When it came back with its interpretation, it was pretty clear that it would not have jurisdiction over the non-mining pieces of equipment. It would have jurisdiction over the road because it's a road appurtenant to a mine, but it would not have jurisdiction over these non-mining pieces of equipment. So it answered the question. The D.C. Circuit ended up affirming MSHA's interpretation as reasonable because it believed it accounted for those questions. What I don't see in KC Transport is quite as clear of an instruction back to MSHA of what they have to consider to come up with a reasonable interpretation. You can ferret it out a little bit if you read the decision multiple times, but it's not as clear as in National Cement. So that's the question is, you know, this is round one. The D.C. Circuit basically said there's going to be a round two to this case, and in that round two, we're going to be looking to whatever MSHA comes up with to determine whether its position is reasonable. So, Chris, what do you think the court's going to be looking for, and what are you looking for, for MSHA to come up with? Because it's going to have to come up with an interpretation that's reasonable, and the company's going to contest that and is going to dispute that. Well, I'll start off with what I would like to see, <laughs> and it would it would parallel basically with the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals decision in Maxim. I thought that decision was relevant and on point and provided good direction for not only the agency, but then the regulated community, right? Putting them on notice, okay, what's the line, right? Where is MSHA going to be able to assert jurisdiction and one of the points that I thought was particularly good from the Maxim Court is they used somewhat, right? Their 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 analysis, I think, is, is it's fair to say it was a location-based analysis. But they also mentioned a hazard-based analysis, which I think that, you know, perhaps in, in the Casey Transport case, perhaps MSHA has kind of lost sight of, right? So in, in Maxim, basically that court starts looking at, okay, are these facilities those or such as those that Congress intended to regulate and guard against hazards associated with a mine or mineral extraction, right? Basically, are you exposed to mining hazards or not? Kind of taking it out of a purely industrial context and putting it into something mining specific, which I think is probably the intent, right, of the Mine Act to cover mine-related facility. MSHA is looking at where do we draw that line then? But I think perhaps, you know, that's what they need to, to figure out is 
one location two it can't just be everything used in or to be used in a mine you know whether that's equipment or tools or whatever right in perpetuity you know anybody in the MSHA world understands there is a significant regulatory and compliance burden when you are under MSHA's jurisdiction right that triggers a whole host of compliance issues right as that's why we have jobs right <laughs> so and so, yeah, I think, you know, the balance is, yeah, location related to mining and then this hazard-based analysis I would like to see addressed. Now, your, your second question is, what do I think the court is going to do? Well, so the court has basically said, hey, Amcha, you need to explain, you know, on remand, how jurisdiction of off-mine property works from this compliance-type standpoint. And like you said, right, that really gives MSHA sort of, of just this blank canvas. And unfortunately, because they do so, we have two things, right? MSHA can talk in very, very broad terms about how they're going to assert jurisdiction. And because the D.C. Circuit Court, as you've mentioned, Arthur, right, they say, okay, we think that this definition under the Mine Act is ambiguous. That could trigger, you know, Chevron difference as long as MSHA's interpretations reason. So yeah, I would have liked to have seen the DC Circuit Court come up with some pointed questions or at least identify specific issues they want answers to in order to formulate their decision. So what do I think is going to happen with the DC Circuit? So I think the Federal Mine Safety and Health Review Commission on remand is going to, again, focus on a location-based analysis because they, they have already, right? They relied heavily, I think, in their decision perhaps not heavily, but they at least mentioned the Maxim rebuild case in the Sixth Circuit, and they were comfortable doing so. However, just because of the, the posture of this, I think we're going to see something similar to the National Cement case, where I think the D.C. Circuit is going to parse out MSHA's interpretation and expand MSHA's jurisdiction somewhat. So I don't think is going to get this blank check of We'll make those determinations, jurisdictional determinations on a case-by-case -case basis as needed, you know, with some, I don't know, understanding, if you will, that they're not going to overstep their bounds. I don't know if that's what Congress intended with the Mine Act. In my opinion, it's not, right? So I think, though, yeah, I think we'll see some recognition of some facilities, you know, these off-site facilities and its equipment, could fall under MSHA jurisdiction under certain circumstances. And as we all know, right, we don't get solid answers from these types of cases. We wish we would, but I think there'll be enough gray area where I don't think this issue will go away. I think we're, you know, I mean, we, we've got the 1977 Mine Act that we're still arguing over what constitutes a, a coal or other mine. And unfortunately, I think we're just going to see more of the same. We're going to have some unanswered questions some significant gray area that the agency will work in. So, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. How about you, Arthur? Yeah, you know, I mean, again, is I think that when this case came out, given the two disparate camps that I described, whether it was locational-based test or MSHA's theory that anything and everything enumerated under that subpart C was subject to jurisdiction, I was really hoping we were going to get clear answers. And maybe that is naive of me to think that. But I agree with you, Chris, that at the end of the day, I don't think we're going to get clear answers. 
the issue here, what I see the DC circuit, what I hope they will specifically wrestle with, because I listened to the oral argument in this case, and one of the judges made the comment to Emsha, well, if you consider one of these trucks that has been used in mining to be a mine, and then that truck is off doing something else, don't you, Emsha, have the statutory requirement, not just you could, but you are required to go inspect it twice a year or four times a year? And there were all sorts of hypotheticals posed. Well, what if I drove the truck to California for Thanksgiving and whatever? Don't you have to go find it and inspect it? You know, Emsha's response to that is, well, we, we just wouldn't. No, we don't have to. And we just wouldn't do that because that's ridiculous. But the judge's comeback is, well, but you would have to if your position carried the day. And I can tell you that I've posed this question on panels to solicitors and they're maintaining that position that, no, they don't have to. That they could just not inspect these trucks because that would just be ridiculous. Well, I don't think the D.C. Circuit's going to go for that, at least if they stand their ground from what came out in oral argument. I do think Emsha's going to have to explain how they're going to make this work if location isn't going to be the test. And that's going to be a challenge for them. So that is still a hurdle they're going to have to climb. And frankly, I was hoping to see the court wrestle with that in the first decision, they didn't, but I think they're going to have to in the second decision or else it is going to be a total free-for-all. But the courts seem to say they're not inclined to agree with a free-for-all. This is why location would make it so much easier, <laughs> as you pointed out. But the court doesn't seem to want to go there. So it's it's they're kind of left with, okay, we're going to let Amsha come up with its position but they seem to be indicating it can't just be the free-for-all that Emsha wants it to be so where does that leave us with we're left with these two disparate camps and I'm not sure how we reconcile it I'm really not and so I think we're left with a lot more questions than answers yeah yeah I think that's right I think folks are going to want to pay attention to this decision right what comes out because I think you're right. Well, I mean, we're not going to get concrete, solid, or at least the concrete, solid answers that perhaps we want. But I mean, I think folks need to be aware of, okay, do we see an expansion of MSHA jurisdiction out of this? And if so, yeah, what does that look like? Well, I think we're certainly going to see MSHA try to expand it based on what they've done here and not just what they've done here, but the arguments they've taken, which is that they can just do it because... They're granted this vast authority, according to Emsha. The question is, is what's the recourse going to be? And that's what I think, you know, whether or not the company ultimately prevails, I think obviously is very important to the company. But I think for the larger issue, whether or not they prevail, it's taking a look at how the court arrives at whatever decision it arrives at is what I'm going to really be looking at. Are they putting any types of limits on Emsha? Or is it going to be a total free-for-all? If it's a total free-for-all, then <laughs> I guess it will it'll be a free-for-all. That's right. <laughs> well, I think we've had a good discussion of this case. You know, who knew Casey Transport could 
inspire discussions like this, right? But that's what we do, right? So those two trucks sitting in that parking lot <laughs> have sure provided a lot of questions. That's right. That's right. Well, I think that'll wrap up our discussion for today. Arthur, do you have anything else? No, I think we've covered what there is to cover, and I'm sure there will be a part two whenever the, the next iteration of this case comes down the road. <laughs> Absolutely, and we'll be sure to have another episode to kind of conclude this discussion, assuming we can conclude it, right? But at least yeah, inform the, the community of next steps, I guess. So, Well, I want to thank everybody for their time and uh, hopefully you found this discussion interesting. We'll be sure to keep you all updated. So stay safe, everybody. And thanks again. Goodbye. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation. Thank you.